passage open. We'll be looking at um, Nehemiah 5 and possibly another um, passage together um, this evening. So we're going through certain passages that, um, in the book of um, Nehemiah, um, up to chapter, chapter 5 this evening, not looking at the whole chapter, just a, a few passages um, this evening. Um, and this chapter comes in the middle of, of, of great opposition and ridicule and, and persecution um, in light of this opposition, led by someone called Sanballat. Um, Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah remains faithful to the rebuilding of the, of the walls of, of Jerusalem. So since the, since the start of this book, we've seen um, Nehemiah pray for his people, chapter 1, and then goes on to him being released by King Artaxerxes and goes back to Jerusalem to inspect the walls um, and look at the state of the city. So he, he encourages at that point, he encourages the, the rebuild building of the walls. All this in the middle of, of opposition and persecution. So tonight is surrounded um, chapter 5 is surrounded by opposition. Um, chapter 2, verse 19, says this. But when Sanblat the Hornite, Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? So we continually see this through, through this book of Nehemiah. And there's actually about seven, there's seven attempts to stop Nehemiah in what he's doing. So enemy opposition and difficult times in general have an effect on Judah, as we see in this passage this evening. So we're going to read part of um, Nehemiah chapter 5 together, um, looking at verses 1 to 13. Nehemiah 5, starting at um, chapter 1. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards and our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, we have had to borrow money to pay the king's taxes on our fields and vineyards. Although we are of the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, and though our children are as good as theirs, yet we have have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and vineyards belong to others. When I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials. I told them, you are charging your own people interest. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them, and said, as far as possible, we have brought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you are selling your own people, only for them to be sold back to us. They They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. So I continued... What, I, what you are doing is not right. Should you walk in the fear of, um, shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the repro- reproach of our Gentile enemies? I and my brothers and my men are also lending the people money and grain. But let us stop charging interest. Give back to them immediately 
their fields, vineyards, olive groves and houses, and also the interest you are charging them, 1% of the money, grain, new wine and olive oil. We will give it back, they said, and we will not and we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. Then I summoned the priests and made the nobles and officials take an oath to do what they had promised. I also sh- um, shook out the folds of my robe and said, In this way, may God shake out their house and possessions. Um, uh, may God shake out of their house and possessions anyone, anyone who does not keep this promise. So, so may such a person be shaken out and emptied. At this, the whole assembly said, Amen, and praise the Lord. And the people did as they had promised. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can uh, again read your word here this evening. And uh, we do pray, Lord, that we will all, myself and uh, all here, be, be challenged um, by your word this evening. Help me to, to relay what um, you have uh, on my heart this evening. Just pray that people will really, uh, that we will listen to your word this evening and uh, be changed, be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to do things a bit differently tonight. Um, there's no participation. You'd be pleased to know. It's not an all-age service, so um, no uh, participation. But um, a bit of cheating. I don't know if that's uh, allowed from the platform. But um, I'm going to say a few bits this evening. But I also want us to listen to a, a sermon that I've been listening to over the past um, couple of weeks. Not yet, Tom. But um, it's a 12-minute it's a, it's a clip. But it really... Um, sort of brings together things that have been on my mind um, certainly around this passage um, and so I just really want to, to share it this evening so just a, a bit of me and a bit of, uh, of someone else as well but, so we've seen um, in this passage um, over, over the last few weeks uh, many forms of, of persecution so many, many things against, against Nehemiah um, and against the rebuilding of the walls so now at this point we see opposition from within Judah uh, within itself, and, we, and, and I suppose we've seen that possibly over over the years. Many of us who are more mature in our, our in our Christian journey probably have, se- have seen that in in our churches in churches we've been to, where there's been possibly um, disunity or people not getting on. Um, and certainly in church history, we've, we've probably seen that and maybe been experienced to that. Um, certainly, the church isn't immune to the the plans of the devil. Uh, and, and sometimes we need to stop and think, and that is, that is true, isn't it? We need to, the devil is like a roaring lion looking to devour. You know, he can, he can be in the things that we do outside the church, but also he will see every opportunity. The devil attacks um, and stay alert, as the Bible um, tells us. So as verse 7 says in this passage this evening, um, the people were acting, as in the New King James said, um, something called usury. Usury, I think. Um, an action or practice of lending money at unreasonable high rates of interest. So really we see that everyone is looking for their own wants, their own desires, um, and not looking at other people's desires. But in the New King James Version, it says that they were, they were silenced and stopped. Um, I'll read that passage this evening. Um, It's verses 8 to 11, but I'm going to read it from the New King James Version. Um, 
Then they were silenced and found nothing to say. Then I said, what are you doing? What you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the nations, our enemies? I also, with my brethren and my servants, am lending them money and grain. Please let us stop this usury. Sometimes we need to stop and think, don't we? We need to be silenced and stop and think, you know, how is God challenging us? How is God's word challenging each of us? We need to stop and review and think, are we God-honoring? Are we God-honoring in our lives? Are we God-honoring as a fellowship? Are we God-honoring with our relationships with one another? And there's, there's a, on the update this today, um, Colossians 3 um, in, the, in the NIV says this, let, us, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Now the, the, um, the version on the update today is from the message, and it says, it says it's slightly different, but it says, let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with one another. Interesting um, paraphrase, I, was, I, I would say, but are we in tune with one another? Are we in tune, are we united together as a fellowship, as a church, maybe big C, are we united as a church together, being lights for him? Are we living our lives in the light of our transformation as Christians? So Romans talks about a lot of things, about, about the world, about sin, about people living their own desires. Talks about harsh, harsh things like slander and malice and evil deeds. People living for their own desires and not what God wants them to live for. But are we transformed? Again, as Romans says, are we transformed by the renewing of our mind, a life that pleases God, a life that is God-honoring in our thoughts, in our actions? Now, I get a, um, a daily devotional um, each, each day, actually. Um, and this, uh, yeah, that doesn't sound... A daily devotional... <laughs> you know what I mean, don't you? Um, I get a daily devotional, and um, on this uh, one particular day while I was preparing this sermon, this this one came in, and it says this. It says, no no two people are alike. God created each of us different, with unique preferences, desires, values, and dreams. When we don't know how to negotiate these differences with each other, we feel threatened and respond in immature ways, especially when under stress. As disciples of Jesus, we are called to navigate our differences and resolve conflict in God-honoring ways. It goes on, it goes on to say, to implement this skill, however, requires ongoing renewal and transformation. So that's the two sort of words I'd like to focus on tonight, is about renewal and transformation. How do we live... How do we live a transformed life as Christians? How do we live a transformed life ongoing in our Christian, Christian walk? So when we linger in God's presence, he softens us to become more generous. And most importantly, we receive God's love in such a way that we are able to give it away to those around us. So this, this sort of theme has been on my mind for probably quite a few weeks or, or, or months how do we keep in step with the Father? How do we keep in step with him in our faith and be God-honoring God and then in turn go out and be a, a light in the, in the world? 
So as the devotional says, ongoing renewal and transformation. And it is ongoing, isn't it? It's, it's, it is that journey. A Christian walk is, is a journey. Not an, always an easy journey, um, but it's how we, we honour God in, in that journey. So ongoing renewal and transformation turns into submission to Christ and obedience. How do we keep strong in our faith, keep the unity between us, and get on the, and in a way get on, on with the task that God wants us to do? How do we, as the church, be Christ's ambassadors? So there is a small, there's a 12-minute um, clip I'd like us to, to listen to this evening. Tom's, I'm, I'm hoping Tom can get this to work. Um, and I, I suppose just have, that, have those words in your mind about renewal um, and transformation, um, maybe the word, you know, God's word um, in your mind as, as, you, as you listen to this. Um, this is um, a sermon that was, a, I think it's a part of a sermon about, from a, um, someone called Perry Noble. I, didn't, I haven't heard of him before. He was a, he's an American preacher, author, and um, a former senior of, of a, a, a large church in, in America. But um, if you keep your finger in the passage this evening, it'd be good if you can look look up Romans 11, because um, the, the the gentleman on the on the recording makes reference to this this evening, and it'd be good to to sort of follow along from that Romans 11, starting from verse 33, and we'll listen to this together. believe me, but this right here changed my life. It's sunscreen. And when I say it changed my life, I want you to listen to me. It changed my life. I grew up with, um, I grew up with parents that didn't really know about sunscreen. And so I would go to the lake or the beach with my family and I'm very fair skinned. And so after being out there for 10, 20, 30 minutes, I would just get roasted, Red. I was. They would call me a lobster or whatever. I mean, it was painful. It was awful. And so I grew up going to going to the lake, learning to hate the lake, learning to hate the beach. Um, and it's all because my parents didn't tell me about sunscreen. What I'm about to tell you is true. I didn't know about sunscreen until like 1999, really, when I'm planning my honeymoon. My wife and I were. We got married in 2000. We're planning our honeymoon, and she wanted to go somewhere warm and tropical. And I wanted to go somewhere cold and not tropical. And we were kind of um, discussing this. It's another way of saying arguing. We we're kind of having this discussion. And she just asked me, why don't you want to go warm and tropical? And I said, because I get roasted and I get burned and I don't like it. And I get these sun blisters and it's just awful. And I don't want to do that. And why are you trying to destroy our marriage before we've even got started? And, and she said, well, why don't you just put on sunscreen? And I asked her, what sunscreen? And she said, are you, are you serious right now? Are we having this discussion? And I was like, yeah, I don't know what sunscreen is. And she told me about this product called sunscreen. And I remember after she told me about it, I was like, that's not true. I don't believe it. And she told me, she said, hey, you know, it, and at the time, see, this right here is, is a spray can. But at the time, they didn't really have the spray can. They just had the lotion. And she said, well, what happens is I rub sunscreen all over you. And I like the sound of that. We're going to be on our honeymoon. And so I was like, hey, I like this. And she said, and it'll keep you from getting burned by the sun. But she said, we've got to reapply about every two hours 
I mean, you can't just put it on once and it's okay. We've got to reapply for every two hours. And so I was like, okay, okay, okay. I'll go, we'll go where you want to go. We went on a cruise and I did not get burned because she would, about every two hours, sure enough, she would put sunscreen on me and it protected me from getting burned. Now, one of the things that I know about every person and every group, um, no matter what setting you're in, is that you feel like when it comes to the world and being a Christian, you probably feel like you've been burned. In fact, let's just admit this and I'll take a, I'll take a deep breath. It's not easy following Christ. It's not easy. Maybe you've never heard um, a Christian leader or a pastor say that. I'm just, I'm just telling you, for me it's not easy. For you it's not easy. And I know sometimes when we try our best to follow him, whether it's in business or relationships or in our past, it's really difficult to do it. So I want to use sunscreen and teach you a formula that I don't know if it will help you, but here's what I know. It's helped me. It's helped me make better decisions. It's helped me to have a better direction, and it's walked me away from the concept of being overwhelmed to actually being an overcomer. And here it is. I want you to write this down. It's true about sunscreen, and it's, it's true about the ways of God in our life. Okay, here we go. Information plus consistent application equals transformation. This is true when it comes to us receiving God's Word. In fact, we would, we, I would say it another way. Information about God and His Word plus consistent application of what God says will literally lead to the transformation of our lives. Now, I want to walk, walk through this bit by bit, and I want us to write some things down together. All right, here we go. The first thing we're going to talk about is information. Information about God. God is great. And God is good. If that's all we knew about God, that's all we would need to know to transform our life. That when it comes to God and his word and his ways, that God really is great. And God really is good. God is really all-powerful. And God really is completely loving. God is great. And God is good. That means what God wants for our lives is great because God's plans are greater than our plans and that what God wants for our lives is good. That means God wants better things for our lives than we actually want for our lives. And I want to I want to walk through a passage of scripture together. Romans chapter 11 verses 33 through 36 basically say in the PIV, that would be the Perry International version, that God is great. God is good. He said, this is the apostle Paul and he's writing this and he said, "Oh the depth of the riches, of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. He goes on to say in verse 34, who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? In other words, Paul just said, God is great. God is great. God is so much smarter than us. God knows so much more than us. But then he says this, I believe in verse 35. Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? In other words, everything that we have in life is the result of the goodness of God. And he goes on to say this in verse 36, For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Information about God. That God is great and that God is good. And one of the biggest misconceptions in Christianity is this. 
Information equals transformation. But that's not true because nobody knows about the Bible more. Um, let, me, let me back up and say this. The devil knows more information than all of us know put together. But he's missing a step. Information plus consistent application equals... Stop, stop, don't go there, because we're just going to talk about application for a second. One of the things about following Christ is when it comes to our ways, when it comes to how we handle money, when it comes to how we handle sexuality, when it comes to how we handle ethics, we've got to consistently apply God's Word to our life. Like sunscreen, you can't put it on just once and it works. We put it on continually and continually and continually. That's where the Apostle Paul, after he writes about God is great and God is good, he says this. He says, therefore, because God is great, God is good, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, not in order to earn God's mercy, but because God has been merciful, watch this, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is the only time in the Bible that the words living and sacrifice appear together. Because normally if something is sacrificed, you either kill it or you burn it. So I'm like, well, that's not what God's telling me to do, right? Living sacrifice? God, how do I become a living sacrifice? And one of the concepts I've learned about the Bible is when you don't understand what you're reading, just keep reading. If you don't understand what you're reading, just keep reading because eventually, eventually, whether it's the next 10 minutes or the next 20 years, it begins to make sense. And recently I was reading through this verse and I got to the second verse and I realized what a living sacrifice is. A living sacrifice, in verse 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A living sacrifice, according to this verse, is someone who learns how to transform their mind and say, because God is great and because God is good, I'm going to consistently apply what he says to my life. Now, that's difficult. That's difficult, especially if we're in the middle of overwhelming circumstances. Financially, I don't want to do what God says to do about money because I feel like I'm going broke. Relationally, hey, it would be a lot easier to dive out of this marriage than to dive in and fix it. With kids, hey, I would rather just throw my hands up rather than actually lead them like I'm supposed to lead them as a parent. I know it's difficult. That's why we said at the beginning of this session that following Christ is not easy. That's why we have to learn to not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. In other words, when it comes to making a decision as a Christian, we may say that's the way I used to make decisions, but because I'm in Christ, I've moved, and I don't live there anymore, and I need to make decisions according to the pattern set forth in God's Word rather than what the world is telling me I need to do and what the world is saying is right. You've got to give it time. You've got to give it time. You've got to continue to apply the sunscreen. We've got to continue to apply God's Word to our life. And it might not be easy, but it's always right. The easy thing isn't always the right thing, and the right thing isn't always the easy thing. But I'm telling you, if we'll understand about God that He is great, and He is good, and He wants greater things for our lives, and we'll say, you know what, God? It's not easy to apply your Word in this circumstance, but I'm going to do it. The promise that I believe God makes us in the Scripture is transformation. He changes everything. 
Everything changes when we do this. Watch what the Apostle Paul said at the very end of this verse. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, don't don't miss this. God has a plan for your life. And God's plan for your life is three things. Watch this. Good, pleasing, and perfect. That's God's plan. And people go, well, how do I know what God's will is? How How do I know what God's plan is? It's very simple. If we will continue to apply what we already know, we will step into what we don't know in his time and not ours. If we will continually apply what we know, we will eventually step into what we don't know in his time and not ours. This right here says that we will know God's will when we understand that God is great, God is good. He wants greater things for our lives. And when it comes to making decisions, this may not be the way we feel, but we've got to trust the facts in God's Word. And when we do that over time, He literally transforms our life. And we've got to trust Him. And we've got to trust He knows where He's going. And we've got to trust He knows what He's doing. And he may, not get us the way, he may not get us to where we need to go the way we thought we should get there. And He may not take us to a, the exact place that we thought we would be. But if we follow Christ, He always gets us to the right place in the right time. Let me say it this way. I have zero regrets in my life because I followed Jesus. Every single regret I have in my life is when I went against what he said in his word. So if you're feeling overwhelmed and you feel like it's tough to be a Christian, I want to give you permission to say it's tough. But information about God, that he is great and that he is good, plus consistent application of what he tells us to do in his word about everything in life equals transformation. It literally changes everything. It changes our hope. It changes our marriage. It changes our future relationships. It changes our relationships with other people. It changes our work ethic. It changes everything if we'll just apply it. Quite a strong American accent. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, you know, God has the power to, to transform our lives, but at the end of the day, it's about our submission to him. It's about our, our obedience to him, to, to learn more about God, to learn about his greatness, and to submit to his word. And like you said in, in, in that, in that um, passage, it's not easy being a Christian. And I'm sure you've all experienced difficult times. We tr- and we, we try our best, but our best, I've put in capital letters, our best is not good enough. It is the power of God that transforms us. It's walking in, in God's ways that makes us different. It's living our lives in a God-honoring way that makes us different. So we often talk about obedience, don't we? We often talk about it, but are we obedient to his word? How do we put it into practice? And again, it's that constant renewal and transformation. It's constantly getting into his word, constantly applying his word, constantly going back 
to God's word, his holy inspired word, transforming, our, our, transforming us from our sinful ways, the ways of the world, but to God's ways. And as the, 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 the preacher said in, this, in, in, in that clip, information about God plus consistent application leads to transformation. Consistently getting into his, into his word. Do we live to the pattern of, of this world? Do we live our lives for ourselves or do we live our lives honoring God in his will, being obedient to him? Are we obedient to him despite opposition, as Nehemiah was in, in this passage? Are we obedient to him in the difficult circumstances in our lives? But how do we keep in step with his will? Again, going back to that Romans passage, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's about, again, applying his word, helping each other to teaching each other you know god it's god that that teaches us but it's encouraging each other in in the word encouraging each other in in those difficult times bringing out passage of scripture that that really encourage us how do we keep in step with his will and then to offer ourselves offer our bodies as as a living sacrifice a sacrifice to be used by him and just a question to end on really are we, are we ready, to, ready to do his will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will? Are we ready to submit to him, to be obedient to Christ? Are we ready? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for your word. And uh, I know I sometimes, well, many, many times fail to, to apply your word, and I'm sure... Many of us here tonight uh, are in that position where we read your word or we are challenged on a Sunday, but do we follow through with, you, with, your, with your word? Do we do what you want us to do? And many times we go our own direction, but we come back to this passage this evening and uh, the passage in Romans looking at your good, pleasing and perfect will. And Lord, as we, as we um, have spend time with you in the week and, and on Sundays, help us to, to, to understand your word more fully. We know that we probably will not understand everything. We will not understand everything in this life. But help us, Lord, to, to apply the, your word to our lives. Help us, Lord, to, to be obedient to you in the, in the good times and in the, the bad times. Help us to be fully um, some, in full submission to you and ready to, ready to do your will ready to do your work help us to be lights for you and to uh, spread your good news in Jesus name we pray Amen <laughs>